All right, so we are live from the back porch. <laughs> this has become one of my favorite ways to do podcast is outside. Um, great, great time to do this. I'm actually on the back porch right now, going to, to do a little bit of discussion on what color is the church today, and. Uh, this comes from basically a sermon series we did at Awaken Church in Natchitoches, Louisiana. By the way, if you're in Natchitoches, Louisiana area, we'd love to have you uh, check out what God is doing through Awaken Church and with Awaken Church. So please check out our website, awakenla.church. That LA is for Louisiana, obviously. Awakenla.church. That's our website. That's where you can connect. You can you can take a look at worship services. You can get a glimpse of worship. Uh, you can uh, see who who the leadership is. Um, you can do you know find out all kinds of things you want to find out about a church at our website. So check that out. Now, originally the idea for the sermon series that are kind of basing this this talk in the next couple of weeks um, on really kind of how the ways we separate ourselves, the way we separate others, um, a lot to do with racism. Uh, this idea of privilege all comes from uh, an idea that a friend of mine had named Tariq, and I hope over some, over the next couple of weeks I have Tariq live with me doing the doing the podcast. Um, this idea was like, hey, the, the idea is, a, is, is think of a puzzle, and the puzzle is all these different pieces, and not one of the none of the pieces are the puzzle, but they all have to fit together. And so, you know, the idea is, do you see the bigger picture? Do you see that you're just your piece of the puzzle and the couple of things maybe you connect to, the couple of people or people that, that are like you, that fit just with you? Or do you realize there's a bigger picture? And what does it mean to follow Jesus and be more like him in a world that just seems so set on division? And I think that's there's something going on uh, because the people I know, and, I, and I, I spend a lot of time with a lot of different people, no one is really... St- living this division it's something that's put out before us and it's a reality that's there it's just we're, we're not experiencing it on that level and so just a lot of questions come up so what are some of the ways we divide ourselves i mean where do we see division happening and as people i think we divide ourselves in all kinds of ways race obviously because that's the that's one of the things i'm going to focus on today as i talk about what color is the church uh, but also we divide ourselves with income right like uh it happens. We we divide ourselves on what our income is and and our what our place is, what we can ha- what we can afford or what we can charge. Uh, we would divide ourselves by politics, big time, uh, religion, and even within religion, denomination. We we see division among denomination. There's no no question if you've been a, a part of church, a Christian church for any amount of time, that there's division d- division along the lines of denomination. We divide ourselves by age and generation. I mean, how often do I see uh, and hear people say, you know, stuff like "Okay, boomer," and and uh, and then hear boomers say, just grumble, grumble, complain about. Uh, millennials, all the, these millennials, all these, all these millennials, dot dot dot, all you boomers, dot dot dot, and I'm Generation X, and Gen X, we're kind of in between the boomers and the the uh, the millennials, and we're just kind of like, <laughs> well, we had our song that said, "Here we are now, entertain us," and you guys are doing it, <laughs> so we divide ourselves. I mean, who you got? Are you are you a you know a SEC fan? Or do you are you cheer for some uh, college football team that's in? some uh, lesser division. I mean, it's just, you know, lesser conference. I mean, this is, we divide ourselves in all kinds of ways, right? Super Bowl what this year was the Kansas City Chiefs and the 49ers. And everybody was like, who do you got? The Chiefs are 49ers. The Chiefs are 49ers. And people that 
from our neck of the woods, uh, we don't care. I mean, we I mean, really don't. We're not a Chiefs fan. We're not. A, we're definitely not 49ers fans in Louisiana. But the 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 reality, yeah, we still hold a grudge for Joe Montana and all those times he spanked us back in the day. But here's here's what I think was we all like decided let's let's take let's let's, let's take a side so to speak, and then we end up dividing ourselves. Now I'm gonna let you guys in on something real quick before I go any further. And this is, uh, I hope it's not a shock to you. I hope it doesn't surprise you. It may come as a shock. I don't know. I'm white. Okay? I can't, I can't help it. I, I'm, I, this is, I, was, I was, to quote uh, a, a, a 21st century poet, I was born this way. <laughs> I'm white. Uh, I'm white. I'm a middle class male from the South. And you know what? I have, you know what I've come to do? I've come to realize the privilege that goes with that. And I know that makes some people mad when they hear the word white privilege or male privilege and all that. But something that I've grown into is to understand the reality of I am very privileged. And, and, and this is, this is, a, this is a, a true statement. It's a true thing. And in recent years, I've experienced something that there's a growth of prejudice towards what it means to be a white middle class male. And I've seen pushback in our culture and, and, and in politics uh, on this. And maybe you have too. But you know, the reality is, what do I know about discrimination, really? I mean, here I am. I'm, I'm a white, middle-class male from the South, and now I can say, well, you know, in 2020, we're the most discriminated. Nah, it's not true. That's, that's bull. Um, but, there, but there has been a rise in that discrimination, and there's, there's no way around it. But, so, th- so when I look at that and go, if I don't really know what it's like to really experience true discrimination, what qualifies me to speak about race in the gospel, because that's what this is about. What color is the church? Um, well, the main qualification is the gospel itself. I'm saying the only qualification I have is because Jesus is the subject. Uh, he's the subject for me. He's the subject of this. None of the ways we divide ourselves is the subject. Now, I'm talking, again, what color is the church is our title today. So I'm talking to Christians. I'm talking to church folks. None of the ways we divide ourselves is the subject. Jesus is the subject. Now, for me personally... I am not just a white, middle-class male from the South. Because if you look at the the, the makeup of who I am, I'm Scottish, I'm Irish, I'm German, I'm Austrian. My great-great-grandmother on my mother's side was a Native American, uh, I believe from the Tunica tribe. I don't know for sure that part, but I know uh, that that she was a full-blood Native American. um, And I have some stories that go with that. So this is part of the DNA of who who this white middle class male is from the South is Scottish, Irish, German, Austrian, Native American, and who knows what else. Now, I went to West Monroe High School in West Monroe, Louisiana, which, by the way, has been labeled as the most racist high school in America. And and when I went there... it, it's still today. I it, I don't think it is the the real racist, uh, most racist high school in America. But here's the thing, the the reason is because the team name, the mascot is the Rebels, West Monroe Rebels, go Rebs, and you know the mascot is a Confederate soldier holding a uh, carrying a Confederate flag. Now I know that was always the mascot, and I'm, I don't know how much has changed. Haven't lived or been uh, really in West Monroe for for amount of time, uh, in, in a long in a long time, uh, in, in decades actually but but i do know that that was the reality when i was at school there and there's the joy of doing podcast outside the dogs barking at neighbors um but when i attended back in the day the school was 50 50 it was black and it was white it was it was uh, it was literally they did they did the stats okay this school is 50 50 black and white that's where i went to school in the south in west Monroe, louisiana and when 
here's my reality was yes there's a few clicks there's a few clicks in every high school there there are clicks there's there's racism there but for the most part we all got along because we belong together and and, and we we belong together regardless of what media calls racial lines. We belong together because we were high school students and we had friends, different skin colors and different, uh, you know, different uh, gender persuasions and different sexual preferences. We had friends because we were in this together. Now, for a number of years, I was associate pastor of a culturally, very culturally diverse church in South Florida. Shout out to Coral Springs Community Church. Uh, super culturally diverse community. Very culturally diverse church. And the church reflected the community. And we lived in a neighborhood when we lived there. Uh, shout out to Boca Raton. Uh, to, that uh, The neighborhood was extremely culturally diverse and, and very uh, ethnically diverse as well. And so I had neighbors and friends and, and church fam who were, we were from all different makeup of things. So again, I'm trying to say, what's, what's the qualification for speaking? Speaking about what comes to church as a white male from this middle class male from the South. Well, I've honestly had, and this is not me saying, oh, my best friend's a, a, you know, I have a black best friend, but I'm honestly saying I've had more close friends in my life who are multicultural uh, than I've had. than I've had white friends. Um, but at the same time, I recognize there's a privilege of being a white middle-class man in our culture. And I know that makes people mad. Uh, mostly it makes white middle-class men mad. Uh, but, but I'm saying it's it's true. And at 50 years of life, 51 actually, I'm still discovering who I am. And my prayer is that this community of faith that, that I pastor, that I that am blessed to be the taking the lead on, Awakened Church, will keep becoming more like Jesus. And that would be my prayer for you guys too. So there's a scripture in Revelation that really helps me dig deeper into what is what is what colors the church what is that what is that all about and it's in uh revelation 7 verses 9 and 10 and it says um again to understand what revelation is it's a it's kind of john the guy who wrote this i'll talk more about this in a minute but he kind of sees a vision of heaven and he says, I saw a vast crowd. After this, I saw a vast crowd. So he just saw this, this, this huge crowd of 144,000 people who were sealed uh, from, the, from the tribes of Israel. He says, I saw this group, 144,000. He gives a specific number, and there's reasons for that. That's not what this is about today. But then he says, after this, for those who say only 144,000 are included, after this, I saw a vast crowd too great to count. So those who were in heaven, too, just too great to count from every nation and tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne before the lamb they were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands and they were shouting with a great roar salvation comes from our god who sits on the throne and from the lamb and all the angels are standing around the throne and around and, and around the elders and the four living beings that's a that's a part that came before this in this vision and they fell before the throne with their faces to the ground and worshiped god and they sang Amen. Blessings and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength belong to our God forever and ever. Amen. Sorry for reading that instead of singing it because I don't know the tune uh, of that particular verse that they sang in Revelation 7. Um, so the, when I read that and I, and I reflect on that, I realize that, that this is a vision of God's church. In God's radically diverse church, it's got to lead the way in radical unity and diversity in our culture. Our culture needs a diversity or, or needs a unity in this diversity 
that is radical. It's rad, It's, it's got to be radically different than what we've been experiencing. And God's I, God's church is a radically diverse church. And His radically diverse church, that's me, that's you, must lead the way in this reconciliation is actually the word I'm going for here. So the so the church is a picture. Let's 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 think about the church being a a picture here. The church is a picture. It's a picture of diversity. It's a it's a picture of diversity. You know, um, this Revelation passage. It's a glimpse into heaven. It's John, the same one who wrote, I believe, First John. These these letters, First John, Second John, Third John, and then that in First John he writes, "If we don't love people who we can see, how can we say we love God whom we can't see?" Okay, if we it, you know if we don't love the people we can see, how can we say we love God who we can't see? So he's writing. He's actually writing Revelation from exile, and uh, you think of like great visionaries. A lot of time a great visionary writes from exile. An example would be Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela spent 27 years in a South African prison and uh and uh, gosh, in that in that South African prison, he wrote to be free is not merely to cast off one's chains, but to live in a way that respects and enhances the freedom of others. I love that. To be free is not merely to cast off one's chains, but to live in a way that respects and enhances the freedom of others. Nelson Mandela, absolutely great, great, great. Um, so how is it possible to have diversity and not be divided? How is that even possible? I mean, if we're going to be this diverse church, which the church is, by the way, if you take a glimpse, there's no such thing as I'm going to answer the question, what color is the church? There's no such thing as a white church and a black church or a brown church. <laughs> the church looks like Jesus. We have, we're diverse. And in this diversity, how can we have the diversity of a radically diverse church and not be divided? So during the Roman Empire's persecution of Christians, John, who wrote this passage in Revelation, uh, is, he's been exiled by the emperor. Whose emperor the emperor's name was Domitian. And from this imprisoned place, this this island, this 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 uh, place where he was put, called Patmos, he he wrote about what he saw. He sees the kingdom of God revealed. He sees the revelation of the kingdom of God. And what does he see? Well, here's what he sees: the kingdom of God revealed, and he sees a vast crowd, too great to count. It's people of uh, uh, every nation and tribe. People and, and language and standing in front of the throne before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes, held branches in their hands. They were shouting with a great war. Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne of the Lamb. He's like, they were shouting, they were singing. They were a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, all standing before the throne and worshiping Jesus. So, you know, this is what he sees. This is the church. He sees the church. Have you seen the church? That'd be the question, right? Have you seen the church? What John, what John sees is uh, ethnic, and he sees ethnic diversity. He sees cultural diversity. He hears dialects. He hears accents. He hears the Boston accent and a California accent and a Southern accent. He hears all this. God made humanity diverse and beautiful. And John says, I see, that's the church. It's diverse and beautiful. And God sees you as fully you. And he sees me as fully me. And God loves you and he loves me. And I have learned, I have to learn to see you as God sees you. That's where we have to get to with this. And I think that John's revelation, or John's words in Revelation, uh, chapter 7, it reminds us that to see and 
Respect our differences is love. To see and respect our differences is love. So church is a picture of diversity. But you know what? It also shows that church is a picture of unity. The church is a picture of diversity and unity. When I think about... Oh, let's let's go back to the Super Bowl. I mentioned that a little earlier. The Super Bowl. People gather from all over the country to go to a stadium. Now, we're in the midst of... Uh, social distancing, quarantine has been the word a lot of people have been throwing around, um, stay-at-home orders, shelter-in-place orders, those kind of things. And so we lo- we're longing. I personally am like, I'm okay with a lot of things that have been happening. I'm okay with social distancing for your health and for mine. Uh, but I also know that I'm ready for football whenever ready football's ready and i want it to be like stadiums full of people and the teams playing and so i'm kind of right there too so i'm thinking about the super bowl and that stadium packed of people from all over the world mostly this year most of them were from kansas city or san francisco the people from all over and actually we we gathered most of us gathered around our tv sets in front of screens from all over the world all over the nation really and some around the world together united in a moment or a few hours, despite all our differences, despite the ways, all the ways that I talked about we divide each other, political, uh, ethnic, skin color, financial, uh, all, these ways, all these ways we divide each other, we all came together despite those differences for a moment. So what draws and holds a diverse, radically grouped together in this thing called church? Because... This is not a big sporting event. This is this is the kingdom of God. Well, in in Revelation seven, John sees a crowd, and he says it's too great to count. And it's from every nation, it's from every tribe, it's from every people and every language. I see diversity, but he also sees unity. Look at look at what they're doing. What are they doing? This diverse this diverse gathering before the throne of God in Revelation seven. They are they're dressed in white robes. And they're carrying palm branches in their hands. Both the white robe and the palm branch are symbols of worship. They are gathered together in unity. They are. Uh, 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 it's a picture of diversity, but it's also a picture of unity as they worship and they worship Jesus. And they're shouting in verse ten and verse twelve says they're singing. They're singing and they're shouting to Jesus. So what brought and held this this group together? Uh, for the glory of Jesus, this vast crowd is drawn. It's drawn to worship, drawn to live as one. Jesus draws us together to worship and to live as one. Now, the, our church, the church that I am blessed to be a part of and get to take the lead in uh, in Natchitoches, is Awakened Church, and we have a vision that we believe is a vision that God has shown us for us to be a diverse community of authentic love and hope where you can belong as you change and change as you follow Jesus. This is this is a, a not just to be this church but to plant a, a movement of churches that are diverse because this is authentic unity. It's centered around the worship of Jesus. And that's what the church has got to get to. Not just the church where I pastor, where I attend, but the church. We've got to get centered around Jesus because the church when we're centered around Jesus is a picture of diversity and it's a picture of unity. And I've had conversations. This is specific to where I live, too, in Natchitoches, Louisiana. Um, conversations that would, would go with me sharing the vision, and people would say, that sounds wonderful. You want to be a, you want, you want to plant a church that is multicultural and a church that's multi-class, and, and that's just that's not possible. 
That'll never happen in Natchitoches. I've been told that. I've been told that by pastors of of both skin colors, black and white. And it's like, that'll never happen in Natchitoches. It's not that we're against it. It's not that we're against you and what you're trying to do. It's just not possible. It's impossible. And you know what? I'm okay with running toward the impossible things of God. And I'd rather do that than ease into whatever's possible in my own strength and my own intelligence. Because the impossible things of God are what we're called to as the church. So, yeah, there's a big gap for Awakened Church where where I get to pastor between where we are and where we want to be. Of course there is. That's why this is called a vision. It's a vision to be this kind of church with a kingdom culture. We still got work to do. And I'm I am just going to go out on a limb here and think that all of us, the church, the all of us that are the church, we have we still we've got a lot of work to do when it comes to this, to have this kingdom culture, the, the the culture of the kingdom of God. So for follower of Jesus, the this idea of unity, it's not grounded in in historical reality, because it's like, well, we don't really have a historical reality of that in our nation or in our world. It's not even it's not even grounded in a philosophical reality. This unity that I'm talking about, the church is a picture of unity and diversity, it's grounded in a spiritual reality. Because we have a we have a, a vision and a kingdom that's rooted in scripture and it's spiritual. That this is the church that is it's the it's the church that's the church of God and the church of God is a picture of unity and it's a picture of, of diversity and the reason is and there's one more thing the church is a picture of Jesus that's why it could be a picture of diversity and unity because the church is a picture of Jesus if you could think about earlier I said think about a puzzle and all the different pieces think about a puzzle that when you put it together it forms the picture of Jesus face now we don't have a a true likeness of what Jesus' face looks like. We all have our culturally uh, kind of turned ideas because we all have seen photos. We grew up with a certain uh, portrait of Jesus on the church wall or in our home. And that's okay. Whatever your picture of Jesus is right now, picture that. And, and imagine that's a puzzle piece and all the pieces come together. Well, when the church is being a church, it's not just a, 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 a picture. Of, it's not just a puzzle of diversity and unity. It's a puzzle that when everything comes together, when all the puzzle pieces, you and I are the puzzle pieces, when we all come together, the picture is Jesus. Do you see the bigger picture. Jesus is the subject. Nothing else is the subject. Diversity diversity isn't the subject, okay? It's not that's not the subject. Unity is not the subject. As important as diversity is and, and as as super important as unity is, that's not the subject. Jesus is the subject because unity and diversity is only going to happen when we run to Jesus and we gather around Jesus just like they're doing in Revelation 7, which is a vision of the church. It's a revelation of the church. We get to see this clear picture too in Ephesians 2. In Ephesians 2 and and I think I'm going to I'm just going to save that for next week. Ephesians 2 gives us a, a clear picture. You can go read it if you want. Uh, but for the next, for this for the sake of time, for the next podcast, that'll be kind of my, my, our focus is in Ephesians chapter 2, specifically verses 13 through 18. But when it talks about, when we're talking about Jesus being the picture of, of who we are, the church being a picture of Jesus, Jesus doesn't just re- proclaim peace, and Jesus doesn't just bring peace. Jesus is peace. Now, if we're going to have unity and diversity, we've got to have peace. So Jesus is peace. Not 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 just that, that Jesus brings you peace or, or he proclaims peace over you. Jesus is peace. And so the scriptures are written to, in the New Testament, written to Jewish and Gentile followers of Jesus. And Jews and Gentiles were different. They're different in every kind of way. 
and and and, and every kind of way you can think of. It's a racial thing for sure. Uh, it's a it's a class thing, and they're 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 different. They're set. They they could be separated this way. And and Jesus and the New Testament writers of the letters that have become what we call scripture, they say there there's. There's a unity here. We're not separated anymore. In Jesus, we're no longer separated. And this has been displayed in the temple in Jerusalem. Um, there was actually... Actually, I'm going to... Let's, let's, I said I wasn't going to read it because we we're going to hit it next week. But let's do it real quick. We I have a few more minutes. Um, Ephesians chapter 2. Because it's good to... We really need to know this. To get, a, to get an idea. Uh, a better idea of um, this picture The church is a picture of unity and diversity. Ephesians 2, beginning of verse 13, says, But now now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people, when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. It's important to hear the wall of hostility. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. <laughs> he, he, he did this by ending the system of the law with its commandments and regulations. And he made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. Okay, our hostility toward each other has been put to death on the cross of Jesus. Why do we still have all this hostility towards one another, right? Are we, are we saying that Jesus didn't? die and this didn't work he brought us good news of peace to you gentiles who are far away from him and peace to you jews who are near to him now all of us can come to the father through the same holy spirit because that of what christ has done for us so he wrote this uh, inspired by god to both jews and gentiles um, they said that dividing wall there was in the temple in the temple in, in Jerusalem there was a dividing wall there's actually a couple of dividing walls and there's there's a this dividing wall specific one I'm talking about here is is it separated the the court of the Gentiles from the rest of the temple and it had signs posted on it to and it said and if you read, you know, the original language that they found, the signs, it's written on there. It's, it's, it's actually not just a sign attached to the wall. It's written into the wall, and it's written to Gentiles. And the dividing wall had it said, it's basically a warning of punishment of death if you are on the wrong side of the wall. If you're a Gentile, this is in the, this is in the temple. Okay? This is in church. This is, this is what one of the things that Jesus came to do away with. On the wall, in the temple, there's a sign that says, if you're a Gentile, and you cross this line, you can be and probably will be put to death. <clears throat> it was a, represented a belief that one group of people was better than another group of t- people. It represented this this belief, and the, they tried to make it the reality that one group of people was better off than another group of people. So we still have dividing walls of hostility that are still being built today, even though Jesus or, or Paul, who wrote that that letter on on the crucifixion of Jesus, that in the crucifixion of Jesus, he destroyed the dividing wall of hostility, and yet we still have some dividing walls of hostility today. Not physical walls, necessarily, in some cases they are, but walls in economics, walls in education, wall in, walls in opportunity. This is where I've come to understand I am a very privileged person. 
that yes, I have opportunities in economics and education and in many other ways that other people don't have simply because of the color of their skin. And it's a true fact. It's a reality. Walls that indicate who gets in and who doesn't. We don't like to we don't like to admit it, but they're there. They are there. And I have stepped on, on you know out of my skin. Again, if I use that phrase, not literally, obviously, but I've stepped out of my privilege, I guess, long enough to look at this and go, "Wow, I I have I have had opportunities that others didn't have simply because I'm male, or just simply because I'm I'm a white man, uh, or simply because uh, you know whatever." And I want to use that privilege not to. Not to you know say oh look at this, but to go how can I help be a part of the change? How can I how can I be use the privilege that I have to help someone else who doesn't have the privilege? How can I share that with them? So Jesus destroyed the dividing wall of hostility in the ancient temple. So his followers must do the same. Jesus and his church are out to dismantle the dividing walls of hostility. If you are part of the church of Jesus, our mission is part of our mission is to dismantle the dividing walls of hostility, the walls that alienate us, the walls that disfigure the image of God in us. We're all created the image of God, and these dividing walls disfigure that. They've got to come down. Jesus destroys all the dividing walls, and he is our creator. So he's not just a destroyer. He's also a creator. Jesus destroys the walls that divide, but he also creates a new humanity. It said it right there in that passage I read in Ephesians. He created one new group for himself, one new family, one new humanity for himself. So he, he does, Jesus doesn't just destroy the dividing walls of hostility in Ephesians, but he creates for himself one new nation, one new family, one new one new group with a kingdom culture. And in Revelation 7, we see that kingdom culture. People from every tribe and people and and language and 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 skin color gather around the throne of god worshiping him this is a glimpse of the church this is who the church is so the thing about this is we become more human the more we become our true selves in jesus the more we become more like jesus the more more truly human we are because jesus transforms me he transforms what it me for what it means for me to be a man jesus transforms what it means for me to from what it means for me to be a white, middle-aged man from the South. Jesus transforms that. He redeems that, and he transforms me. So Jesus is the means and the end of racial justice and reconciliation. He's the means. He's the end. Now, in our congregation that I blessed a pastor, um, Awakened Church, again, it's, we're a small group. It's really interesting that in this very small group, which is a church startup, a church plant startup, we're extremely diverse in this small group. Um, it's we're actually a co- cross-cultural congregation, and when it whenever we look at that, we reflect on things like back in in the earliest church in Acts chapter six, where there was a, a, an issue that came up. It was a cross-cultural problem where the widows of the Gentiles weren't getting. F- weren't getting the food that they needed and the widows the jewish gentiles or the jewish widows were being preferenced and that's acts chapter six if you want to look that up and they found some leaders in the community who were among those who were being wrong they found some leaders who were gentile christians that said hey what do you guys think how can we fix this and they allowed those leaders to lead forward they didn't divide they united they listened they they recognized there was a problem they recognized there was discrimination that this was it was defacing the gospel and they addressed it because they kept Jesus the subject. 
And I'm reminded that in Christ we have unity in our diversity. The church is a picture of unity in diversity because the church the church is a picture of Jesus. And we need to repent of any heart or mindset that one people belongs more than others. We need to repent of that. May our worship be around the throne of Jesus. And may it be a reflection of that worship we see taking place in Revelation 7 where they they gather around and they're not focused on they're not like me they're not like us they don't do it like us they don't look like us what they're focused on is the king of kings and the lord of lords their th- their focus is on the one on the throne so may our worship reflect that worship god's radically diverse church must lead the way in radical unity and diversity in our culture now, you could take this, and, and I know some people get, just probably got mad and quit listening as soon as I talked about I understand I am a privileged white person, um, and uh, they automatically don't want to hear anymore. That's okay. Um, but if you've listened this far, <laughs> let me suggest you take a next step. Don't just listen, but take a next step. Show kindness this week to someone who is different than you. Different, maybe they're in ethnicity or age or gender, religion, political position. Whatever yours is, theirs is different. And show a kindness to them this week. And I believe you will be tremendously blessed if you do that. All right, thanks for joining me on the Sunrise and Shine podcast. Um, We'll be back next week with more.